Buddy, aren't you glad the Lord doesn't leave us in the dark? He tells us, don't worry, hang in there. I've got a plan. If you got your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to turn to Romans chapter uh, 5. We're going to look at one verse this morning. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Very familiar verse um, that we have uh, probably memorized for most of us. Um, it's an important verse. It's a powerful verse about what God shares with us, about what he's done for us. Turn on this screen, if you would, please, so they can all see it there. Um, I don't know if you were oblivious or aware as you walked in this morning. There's a bulletin board out there as you come down the main hall that you see as you're walking down the hall. And uh, that's just one little snippet off of it. Um, But the bulletin board out there, that phrase... Um, inspired me this week to begin to develop a mini-series on Love Isn't, Love Is. Carolyn, a couple of weeks ago or so, came to me and said, hey, we're thinking about the church sign, I've got this, Love Isn't February 14th, Love Is John 3. board out there, bulletin board out there, but you can look at that. So what I want to do in the next few weeks as we go through this February in the month of love and all of that, I want to look at the subject from both sides, how we receive love and how we show love. Today I thought that we would start in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 and begin by looking at our need for love, our need for love. So If you've got your Bibles open to Romans chapter 5, verse 8, stand with me as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord. In Romans chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is writing here, and he makes this statement here in this verse, and I want to narrow in on this. We'll come back at another time and look at more of the verses, but today, but God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Father, thank you for the words that the Apostle Paul has penned to tell us what you have done for us and why you did it for us and the condition that we were in when you did it for us to show us just how much you loved us. And because of the the fact that you did this for us, we stand here today in awe of your love for us. And Father, as we look at our need, our need to be loved, we recognize that we have a greater need than just to be loved. We have a need to be loved by you. And so, Father, thank you for reminding us this morning of how much you love us by showing us what you did for us. Now, move me out of the way and hide me behind the cross that it not be my words, but your word 
proclaimed today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. First of all, I want us to recognize that we all have a need, our need to be loved. One of the deepest needs of the heart is to be loved by others. Not only do we want to be loved, but we want also for others to make that love known to us. We want to see demonstrations of their love. We want to hear others say something or do something that lets us know that they truly love us. We need for others to be concerned about us to act on our interest and to surround us with understanding. Many people recognize their need for love and readily give and accept love at the various levels. However, there are those sometimes living in despair that they will never be loved or that they don't know how to share love with others. You may be among those people listening today who have difficulty in expressing love or receiving love. Perhaps you've grown up in a loveless home, in a loveless environment where neither your home nor your community showed you that kind of love. And as a result, you've given up. You've lost hope in love. Hopelessness may even lead you to deny that all of us need love. We need someone to love us. But the second thing that we need to understand is that our need for love goes beyond just someone loving us. Our need for love goes to the point that we need God's love. Even deeper need is to be loved by God and to see a demonstration of His love. Those of us who say and know that we believe in Christ usually admit that we have a desire to experience His love, that we want to experience the love of Christ in our life. Even when people deny the existence of God, they need His love. They may not admit it, but they need it. And the need remains there until we open our heart to receive it. We must realize that even though others do not love us, God intensely loves each and every one of you. So my desire today in this beginning message of this series is simply to remind you that the love we all need is found in God's love for each and every one of us. He loves us. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, perhaps in any single verse, other than perhaps maybe John 3.16, shows us that God loves us. And I want to look at three things that we find from this verse to help you to see that love and how we're to respond. First of all, God's expressed love. Paul said that God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Greek word here, the verb that is used by Paul, can mean that God commends his love towards us or that he demonstrates 
his love towards us. Although either word is acceptable, I like the, the latter word demonstrate for this because God demonstrated his love toward us by showing us how much he loves us. But who is this God in which we talk about that loves us? What do we really know about him and what can we know about him? The God who loves you reveals several things throughout Scripture to remind us of who he is. First of all, who is this God that loves you? Well, we believe that the Bible teaches that he is a triune God. God is one God, but he has three persons. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There was and, and ever will be perfect love and fellowship within the Trinity of the Godhead. We know that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. He is everywhere. He created the vast universe in all of its mystery, splendor, and beauty. He could have created us in a submissive people without moral choice, but instead gave us the ability to be able to choose to love him as he has chosen to love us. However, God in his wisdom chose to create us in his image. We can interact in intelligent and creative ways with God. We can build a relationship with him. But that interactive relationship requires giving, receiving of his love. So we love God because he first loved us. None of us went out seeking God, but God came out seeking us, his creation. You would think that, that because we are created that we would be naturally seeking our creator, but because sin has corrupted that natural desire, we're no longer looking for God. We're looking for our own self-pleasure, but God, who loves us in spite of our, our sin, came looking for us. He loves us so that we can in turn love him. We see the evidence of God's love all around us. Now here's a pitch for Wednesday night Bible study. For those of you that are not attending our adult study, that are not involved in children's ministry or choir, I want to invite you. We're learning about this very thing. And uh, a lot of what I say today comes from what I've been teaching on Wednesday night about the depth of God, who he is, and how we can know him. But very briefly, the evidence of God's love is all around us. When we think about it, we see much evidence of God's love for us in these things. We see love God's us and loves us in all kinds of aspects. First of all, in nature. In the realm of nature, the mountains, the valleys, the oceans, the land masses, the rain, the rainbow, the sunshine... All of the things that we get to experience in this world that God has created for us reminds us that God loved us enough that he made such a wonderful place for us to live in. A place where nature itself says there is a God. A God who loves you. A God who 
wants to, you to know his love for you. God's love for us is clearly shown throughout creation and provides uh, with us beauty and substance through cre- uh, nature so that we can experience the, the love of God. But also through achievements. Now I know that it seems as though that the achievement of man is, is oftentimes given the credit to man. Oh, look at what we have accomplished. Look at what we have created. Look at what we have developed. But yet when we really look at the achievement of men, humanity, the automobile, the airplane, the means of communication, the libraries, the homes, are all evidence of God's abundant provisions for us. Let me remind you that that it was God who created us. It was God who gave us the minds to think. It was God who instilled in us the ability to be able to create. And how do I know that? Because the Bible itself tells us that. In Exodus chapter 35, in verse 35, it says that God inspired their creativity. In other words, man couldn't create anything, but yet before God inspired that creativity in their Every achievement of man that we have is contributed to the goodness of God in our life. His love for us. Because he said, I don't want you just to be here, but I want you to do better. The love of God for us stands out in the actions of people who love us and the rest of creation. I don't know about you, but I don't believe any of us as human beings are naturally lovable people. I say that because, you know, the Bible talks a lot about the fact that how do you love your neighbor? You know, those that are unlovable. You know, the Bible tells us that we by nature oftentimes are unlovable. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says, even though it is people who express that love, it is the love of God which is ultimately the source of all of that love. You love others because God loved you. We love others, the unlovable, because God says, I love you, now love them. Every time we see love expressed by our fellow man, we're reminded that it first comes from the love of God. The third thing that we see about God's expression of his love is God's ultimate show of love. God the Father has demonstrated his love for us in many ways. By the supreme way that he gave his son, the Lord Jesus, to us to die for our sins. Jesus said, of course, in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's no greater way that God shows his love than he gave his son for us. Many have asked the question over the years, why did Christ have to die? 
Could not God have forgiven our sins and redeemed us in some other way? Well, let me just remind you of a prayer that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he went to the cross. In great agony about what he was going to go through so that he could redeem you and I, he asked the Father that very question. Father, if there is any other way that we can redeem humanity other than this particular way, let this cup pass from me. Let it be that we do it another way. But if not, not my will, but thy will be done. So the answer to both of those questions is no. There is no other way. There was no other way. God had to give his son to die for you and for me because of our sin. He could only forgive and redeem us through the life and death of his righteous son. Every father understands that giving a son to die for others is a supreme act Many fathers would rather offer themselves in place of their son. I think that this is the demonstration of God's love because it is absolutely universally understood that there is no greater love than this, that God give his son. question today for us is will we accept the incredible fact that God loves you enough that he gave his only begotten son to die for you will you believe that he is seeking you and wants you to experience his love will you believe that Christ paid the supreme sacrifice for your sin so that you can be loved by the Father. The evidence of God's love is shown by his giving. But then we see the God's gracious love for us. In verse 8, again, we, we find that Paul goes on to say that God demonstrated that love at a particular point in our life. I want you to understand that God didn't say, listen, I'm going to love you once you get it all together. I'm going to love you when you teenagers stop acting like teenagers and start acting like something else. God said, I love you. Listen, teenagers. I love you while you're still sinning against me. Listen, adults. God says, I love you while you're still sinning against me. I love you. For God so loved us that he sent his son, but God demonstrates his love that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. No doubt there were many people sinning at the time of Christ's death. No doubt there were people that were sinning all around Jesus when he died. However, for people who are living now, his death has already happened. Paul is not concerned about the historical sequence of his death. He is speaking to the purpose of his death. This is a comment about purpose, not history. Christ died for the ungodly people, not the godly people. If we had been godly or righteous, he would not have had to die for us. But because the Bible says here, because there is none righteous, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. None were righteous. When we think about God's love, the bad news is that none of us deserves His mercy and His grace. Psalms 14 verse 1 says it like this, There is none that doeth good. Did you hear that? None of us do good. Paul says in Romans 3.10, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Sincerely, in Romans 3.23, Paul goes on to remind us that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Can I just remind you that we're all sinners in this room today? Some of us, however, have been saved by His grace. We've been saved out of our sin, but while we were sinners, He died for us. He didn't wait for us to get it together. He didn't say, get your life in order, straighten up your act, clean up your day, make everything right, and then I will redeem you. While we were still shaking our fist at God and saying, why did you let this happen? Why did you take me? Why did you take this one? Why did you do that? God said, you want to know how much I love you? Jesus stretched out his arms died on a cross for you while we were yet sinners he died all of us have been born into this world with a tendency to sin moreover we have all personally sinned by our disobedience to the laws of God oh I asked my Sunday school class this morning this who was the biggest sinner in all the Bible now my Sunday school class better not answer this you know the answer. For the rest of you that weren't there, who's the biggest sinner in the Bible? Moses, he broke all Ten Commandments at once. We're all the biggest sinner. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all broke the commandments. Therefore, we begin thinking about God of we have to admit that we're not claiming the right to be loved, but rather we're calling upon God in His mercy to love you because God is gracious. Because God is gracious to love us. In contrast to the bad news that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the good news is that God, the God of our Father, graciously loves us. As Paul declares in Ephesians 
For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, for it is the gift of God. This is incredible news. By incredible, I mean that it seems too good to be true. God would, would die for me when I didn't even want him to. God would die for me while I was still doing my own thing. God would die for me when I didn't want nothing to do with him. Yes, that's called grace because God is gracious to us. You see, the good news is that God loves us in spite of ourselves. Love and grace are closely related terms. Charles Hagen Spurgeon said, God is love, which is an alias for his grace. The word grace refers to God's unmerited favor towards us. Without any merit on our part, God demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners. God overcame the bad news of our sin with the good news of the gift of his son, the one who paid the penalty for our sins, the one whose righteous blood took away our sins. So we must look at Christ's sacrificial love How did he do that? How did the one who came and died on a cross do that for me? Paul says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Both the love of the Father in giving his Son and the the love of Christ who demonstrates his love towards us in his death. The love of God through Christ is a sacrificial love. There is no love higher, no greater depths of love than this. The Bible reminds us of this truth because as a display of his love, John declares that Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that one would lay down his life for his friend. The Bible says that while we were at enmity, war with God, he died for us. I don't know of too many people that are at war with one another that would call themselves friends. So what was Jesus saying when he says, no greater love does anyone have than this, that one would lay down his life? While we were at war with God, God was befriending us. He was doing what it took to be our friend. Jesus understood that dying for someone else was the supreme sacrifice. It was the ultimate display of love. According to him, no man has greater love than he laid down his life for his friend. Many times, human love reaches this kind of level. And you know what I mean. 
someone comes along a, a, a burning house and they run in that burning house to because they hear the screams of, of someone inside in need of help and they run in risking their own lives and sometimes, you know, costing them their own lives. How many times have we read someone drowning and yet someone sees that and jumps into the water only to save them but yet drown themselves? What do we call them? Heroes. We say a hero showed up on the scene in the midst of a tragedy, in the midst of someone's need. A hero came along and saved them. But it cost them their life. You see, the Bible tells us that there is no greater hero than Jesus. He gave his life, not just for one, but for all. As a display of his love, he surrenders himself as a sacrifice. But as an expression of his love, he does this. He exalts the love of Christ for us is an exalted love. His love for us was so great for us that he died for us while we were ungodly. We have said already that he demonstrates the graciousness of God. Now we should note how he exalts this expression of the love of God through the love of Christ. Back up one verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 7, it says this, for scarcely will a righteous man, will one die, yet preadventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. Yet Christ went beyond dying for a good man and died for a sinner. Christ did this for us. For us. He showed his love for us. He laid down his life for a friend. I hope that you are now a friend. Through faith in him, we become his friend. The death of the cross, Christ draws us to him. Jesus said in John chapter 12 and verse 32, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, meaning that if I go and die on the cross and they lift me up, I will draw all men to myself. The death of the cross draws sinners from their sin to their Savior. No, my friend, you didn't go out looking for a Savior. A Savior came looking for you. And by his death, he draws you out of your sin into his marvelous light, into his righteousness. John added this comment in the next verse, in verse 33, but he was saying this to indicate the kind of death which he was about to die. So 
So Jesus said, if I be lifted up, if I go to Calvary's cross, and I die for you, my death will draw you out of your sin into my righteousness. The manner of his death was a demonstration of the expression of his love for sinners. When we think of Christ upon the cross and the love that put him there, it draws men. When I use the word men, I'm in general, it draws every one of us unto him. Now, as I close, allow me just for a moment to get personal. to get really personal. And let me remind each of you as I scan the room in my eyes, not looking at anyone in particular, but all of you, I want you to know this fact. That Christ loves you. Loves you. Loves you. And he loves you personally and individually. There is a corporate love for the world, for God so loved the world, but I want you to know that he knows your name. There's never been a person that has been redeemed because they were heard God call the world. Every person that has been redeemed has heard God through His Spirit call them by name. I remember that He knew my name. I wasn't the world, but I was the world to Him. He called me by my name to tell me he loved me and he's calling you by name today he knows your name because he loves you and wants you to be his friend St. Augustine said he loves each one of us as if we were the only one of us he died for you if you had been the only sinner he still would have died for you we have seen clearly that God demonstrates his love for us he gave his love by giving his son who died for us while we were yet still sinners God wants us today, if you have not done it yet, He wants you to accept His love. He wants you to receive His salvation. He wants you to know that He died just for you and He knows you by name. When you feel that stirring in your spirit, you feel that, that something going on in your gut, and in your heart, listen, 
Listen, for I believe he will, you will hear your name. And he will call you out of your darkness into his marvelous light. I invite you to take that step today. You can be born again, saved. Experience the love of God as never before. You can be a friend of God. God will pour out His love through the Holy Spirit who will dwell within you forever and ever. But here's the thing. God said, I love you. I love you enough that I died for you. But here's the truth. Until you receive that love, until you say, yes, Lord, until you know that you have been given that love, you've not experienced it yet. And oh, how I want you to experience it. There is nothing like being loved by God. There is nothing like knowing how much He loves you. What keeps you from receiving His love today? Why are you standing outside when He has opened the door for you to come inside? You have some music you can play in the background as we close. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you stand to your feet? Because it's easier for you to move. I'm not going to ask anybody to come to the front. I want everybody available. If the Spirit calls your name and He knows your name, and here's the truth. I don't know everybody's name in this room. I looked around and I thought, could I, could I start calling names? And I realized, nope. There's several, several today that I would not be able to come up with a name. But God does. He knows your name. He knows my name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, lower the music just a little bit, please. Father, we come before you this morning thanking you for your love. We ask that, Father, that as we bow before you in our hearts, if the Spirit of God is calling our names, may we hear it and may we respond. May we no longer shut Him out. But Lord, may we invite Him in. Lord, He's opened the door for us to receive His love. May we open the door of our heart to accept His love. Lord, if there is a, a teenager here today that has never received Christ, Father, help them to see that that the struggles of life in which they think they're going through as a teenager. Lord, they may look at things as not going well, but God, what they're really lacking is you. Lord, they need you. Help them to see that they need you. Lord, if there is an adult here in the room that has never received you as Lord and Savior, but has, has tried to do good, 
has tried to work their way and, and, and manage their, their life, but yet, Lord, have found it empty. Without purpose. And I pray that they too would receive your love. Oh, Father, thank you for showing your love to us today. Now, Lord, in the next few moments, if there is any that need to move, 